From CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today we look at racial inequalities and the significant gaps that exist between black and white students in areas like discipline, grade level retention, and gifted programs. These categorical inequalities are highly correlated. In districts where, for example, black-white suspension gaps are large, these same districts will also tend to have large gaps in advanced placement course taking, grade level retention, uh, as well as being assigned to gifted and talented classes and special education classes. We welcome Penn State University's Kenneth Shores, co-author of a new study examining how those gaps are linked within and across school districts in the United States. Shores joins CPRI Knowledge Hub Managing Editor Keith Hugh-Miller to discuss his findings. Even after controlling for all of these different kinds of variables, black students are still 1.5 times more likely than white students to be suspended multiple times. So what we think, conclude from this is that schools are not only recapitulating structural inequality, but they are also making it worse in many cases and some important implications for policymakers, school leaders, and other stakeholders across the United States. We can look in the data and actually identify specific districts where racial disparities are smaller than we would expect. And so I think we can learn from these places. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hello and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking again with Kenneth Shores, Assistant Professor with the College of Health and Human Development at Penn State University. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Ken. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. So today we're discussing your new study, which was co-authored with UC Irvine's ha Yoon Kim and UPenn's Mayla Still, titled Categorical Inequality in Black and White linking disproportionality across multiple educational outcomes. Uh, it was recently published in the American Educational Research Journal, and it takes a comprehensive look at the gaps that exist between black and white students across a range of outcomes, including disciplinary action, grade level retention, and inclusion in special education and gifted programs. Your team also examined how those gaps are linked uh, across school districts throughout the United States in relation to the concept of categorical inequality. To start, for those of us who may not be aware, could you just explain what that term means a little bit? Yes. So uh, categorical inequality is a term that comes from sociology, and we're using it uh, generically to apply to any process wherein social categories are created and differentially assigned to individuals by institutions, such as schools. And uh, when those individuals that have been assigned to these categories uh, have meaningfully different outcomes as a result, that is what we're understanding to be a, a categorical inequality. So, for example, uh, the case of exclusionary disciplinary policy is fairly straightforward. Uh, some kids are suspended or expelled and others are not. And so being assigned to that category is harmful. Not being assigned uh, is relatively beneficial. Uh, and so we have these other categories that we're considering, assignment um, or uptake of advanced placement classes, uh, being retained a grade, and being classified as gifted and talented or classified into special education. These are the kinds of categorical 
inequalities that we're interested in. Uh, I'll note that categorical inequality doesn't have to be about race or ethnicity. Uh, it can be about gender or socioeconomic status. But what we are focusing on in this paper are categorical inequalities between black and white students, which allows us to kind of consider the extent to which categorical inequalities between black and white students are concentrated among U.S. school districts. Uh, and so because of our focus on, on race, uh, another area of research that really kind of aligns with ours, so another terminology that you might hear that's associated with uh, categorical inequality is racialized tracking. And racialized tracking is a, a strand of research that documents how you can have segregation between black and white students within schools. Uh, and that's also kind of what we're documenting here. So what was it that drew your team to conduct this study in particular? Um, were there recent studies or findings that sparked your interest, or were there maybe gaps in the existing literature that you were trying to fill in? So initially what sparked my interest is I had been working on a project with uh, Sean Reardon and Dimitri Calagridis during my dissertation, in which we had compiled data on district test score gaps among white and black and white and Hispanic students. So in that paper, we were documenting uh, test score disparities among school districts. And what's very common in that literature is to try to quote unquote explain uh, variation in test score gaps, uh, basically trying to answer uh, are gaps bigger in some places because of things that schools are doing, so school level factors, or are they bigger in places because of differences that, in opportunities that exist outside of school. So these are like out-of-school factors that include things like uh, racial differences in socioeconomic status and segregation. So that was a paper we had been working on, and it sparked my interest because most of what we knew about racial disparities comes from nationally representative data sets. And it struck me that being able to really describe what is happening at the school district level uh, is really important because it allows us to really kind of hold uh, specific entities accountable for what's going on in the district. Um, and in doing some of this descriptive work on the project, uh, we had actually taken data from the Office of Civil Rights. They have this civil rights data collection, and that is the data set that we use in this published paper. And that allows us to calculate racial gaps in all of these different kinds of outcomes, advanced placement, getting suspended, uh, for, for most school districts in the United States. And in that project, I had seen uh, really striking correlations between test score disparities and disparities in kids getting suspended. And what struck me from a kind of a theoretical interest was these old approaches for thinking about what could explain test score gaps. Is it the stuff the school is doing or is it the stuff that's happening outside of school? It struck me that that approach was really misguided because I wasn't sure why, should, why we should be talking about opportunities outside of school when we are trying to explain the actions that school personnel are making when they are disciplining students. So when we're talking about categorical inequalities, I think what the key theoretical insight there, and we can talk more about this in a minute, is that it puts the focus really back on school. 
Uh, it allows us to kind of separate out this out of school piece and really concentrate on what schools are doing to generate these racial inequalities. So the theoretical interest came from this kind of realization that our traditional methods uh, and even uh, frameworks for trying to explain gaps uh, wouldn't apply to categorical inequalities. And uh, given the scope of that inquiry, I'd imagine that a lot of work had to go into this study. Um, could you maybe give us a general overview of your approach and how you attempted to answer all those questions you had? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it was a it was a good amount of work. <laughs> so I think the the paper has three distinct goals, uh, though they're overlapping, of course. Um, and so I can I can kind of just talk about what those three goals are briefly. So I think answers this question about um, what our approach was. Uh, so the first goal was was really argumentative or theoretical, and the second goal was to provide a as close as we could an exhaustive summary of the existing literature that looks to explain uh, racial disparities in these different kinds of categorical inequalities. And then the third and final piece was a as a quantitative description. Uh, and so we. Uh, pursued each of these goals distinctly and then ultimately were able to kind of were able to build a paper out of these three goals. So the, the, the argumentative or the theoretical goal that we tried to accomplish in the paper was to present racial gaps in exclusionary disciplinary policy, advanced placement uptake, grade level retention, assignment to gifts and talent in, in special education uh, as distinctly within the purview of schooling. We wanted to make sure that people understood that these things were things that schools were doing. So we contrast how gaps in test scores are addressed in the literature and how gaps in these categorical inequalities ought to be addressed. And so we distinguish between uh, explanations and justifications. So an example of an explanation is something like a, a regression model uh, that will control for a student's home environment. And then it tries to explain how racial differences in the probability of being suspended, for example, can be uh, accounted for by these out-of-school factors. And so the idea of a justification is actually normative, which is, are these disparities dis defensible? So, for example, just because black and white students have different home environments, does that give schools license to racially stratify students? So this distinction between the, the explanation and the justification motivates this analysis, which really tries to uh, emphasize what schools are doing and to disrupt what we interpret to be uh, a kind of level of complacency about these gaps. So the second piece of the paper tries to consolidate uh, a wide range of academic literature that has been written describing and quote unquote explaining uh, racial categorical inequalities. So we were really having to try to summarize literature on school disciplinary policy, course taking, gifted and talented, special education classes. Each of these kinds of fields have been sort of handled independently of each other. And so the literature review really was, I think, a, an important piece of scholarship where we tried to harmonize these different fields. And in so doing, we, we looked to answer three different questions. Is assignment to the category relevant to one's well-being? You know, what do we know about the inequality in these outcomes? And then how do researchers try to account for these outcomes? And then finally, the third piece is this quantitative description. And here we take data from the civil rights data collection, uh, which allows us to calculate these black-white gaps 
in each of these categorical inequalities, uh, and then provide some, some rich description about the magnitudes and the clustering of these gaps among U.S. school districts. And after all that work, uh, your team came away with a number of different findings, including that racial differences can be significant and strikingly consistent predictors of education outcome gaps. So could you just walk us through what you learned? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we have like five kind of key high level takeaways from the paper. So the first finding we find is that these categorical inequalities are highly correlated. So what that means is that in districts where, for example, uh, black-white suspension gaps are large, uh, these same districts will also tend to have large gaps in advanced placement course taking, grade level retention, uh, as well as being assigned to gifted and talented classes and special education classes. So there's a this kind of clustering of categorical inequalities among districts. The second finding is that when you look at racial differences in parental education and income, which we're thinking of as out-of-school factors, uh, these variables are also highly correlated with categorical inequalities. And so what this means is that in districts where racial socioeconomic inequality is high, educational inequality is also high. So I'll note here that this kind of analysis is similar to the types of research uh, that we faulted uh, in our literature review that I was just describing a moment ago. And for us, the key difference is in the interpretation. So rather than concluding that structural inequality between black and white students explains racial inequality in schools, our conclusion is that this evidence tells us that schools are recapitulating structural inequality. So we're using very similar kinds of regression techniques, but we're taking a very different interpretation of these similar findings. The correlation between a student's home environment and what's happening in the school gives evidence that schools are actually reproducing inequality. Even if you control for racial differences at the district level in test scores, uh, as well as socioeconomic variables and segregation, these racial categorical inequalities are still large. So, for instance, even after controlling for all of these different kinds of variables, uh, black students are still 1.5 times more likely than white students to be suspended uh, multiple times. Uh, and so what we think conclude from this is that schools are not only recapitulating structural inequality, but they are also making it worse in many cases. And so the fourth finding we have is that for each type of categorical inequality that we calculated, we were also able to identify specific districts that were in the, the top 20% of the distribution. Uh, so these are districts where they have, for example, a suspension rate gap that's in the top quintile. And so for each of these different outcomes, we're able to identify the specific districts that have really large gaps and where we're thinking about what largeness means as being in the top 20% of the distribution. And then, so then we look to see if there are districts that have multiple gaps in the top quintile. So these would be districts that have basically a gap that's in the top 20 percentile uh, for disciplinary policy, for grade level retention and AP course taking, et cetera. So we think of this as uh, the cumulative disadvantage facing 
many black students uh, because here uh, racial inequality is occurring in it's a, a, a multi-spectrum type of racial inequality. And so following the accountability mission of the Office of Civil Rights, uh, in the paper, we name these districts. So we're actually trying to identify specific districts where this cumulative disadvantage is, is very large. And so the last thing that we do is we note that though racial differences in parental socioeconomic status are predictive of categorical inequalities, uh, the amount of variance, uh, so the variance is the variation between school districts, uh, that is actually explained by these variables is relatively small. Uh, and so we kind of try to qualify uh, what smallness means uh, by comparing it to how much variation these same variables are able to explain uh, for test score gap. So what we find is basically one third to one half of the variation that these socioeconomic kinds of variables are able to explain uh, in test scores we can only explain one third to one half of that variation for these uh, categorical inequalities. And so we take this last finding as evidence that schools have quite a bit of discretionary authority to make or unmake racial categorical inequalities. So the fact that many districts have gaps larger than would be expected, I think is especially damning for these districts. Uh, but the fact that some gaps are much smaller than we'd be expected uh, is potentially very illustrative because it means that there's more equality in the world uh, that we could get if we could try to learn something from these places. So given the increasing and deserved focus that we've been seeing on racial equity measures in districts and states across the country, I'm curious what you think the implications of the study might be. Um, what could policymakers, school leaders, and other stakeholders take away from your work? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, so, so the first thing that I hope people take away uh, is to throw away whatever complacency they might have felt about the kinds of racial inequalities that we are observing in schools for these different outcomes. So I can just tell you anecdotally that when I have presented this work, Many instances, uh, someone has approached me and said, well, you know, you're, you're just telling us what, what we already know, that there are districts that have low income black students and higher income white students. And so, of course, we're going to see gaps in the rates of suspension and advanced course taking and gifted and talented placement. Uh, I, many times I've had, you know, people who are, you know, academic researchers give me uh, a kind of story like that. Uh, and so my response to that is, and this is what we actually try to articulate in the paper, is why does socioeconomic inequality between black and white students give schools the license to create these racially stratified categories? So this is the kind of complacency that I'm, I'm concerned by, is that you have even people who are really committed to racial justice suggesting that well, the fact that there's racial socioeconomic inequality means schools should also then be reproducing that racial inequality in the things that they do. And so I hope that that is disrupted. That, that would be, if that happened, that would be, I would be pleased. And schools need to get over this idea that because students have different out of school experiences, that their experience in schools ought also to be radically different. Uh, so here again, I'll just refer to this idea of, of justification. 
Um, so if schools take this idea of justification seriously, then they need to explain why racial inequality is permissible. That is, what makes racial inequality just in schools? So the fact that kids have different home environments seems to me like a pretty flimsy justification. Uh, but that's just my opinion. Uh, so at a minimum, what I what I would like is if schools to, would really take this act of justification seriously and provide reasons why uh, racial inequalities in these different dimensions are, are necessary. And from there, at least we could have some kind of a public discussion about the merits of those arguments. And at the moment, my, my concern and my belief is that we've taken these these out-of-school explanations too seriously, which has resulted, I think, in, in some complacency. That displacement of complacency is one thing. The other piece that I think policymakers and teachers and, and practitioners and other researchers can take from this study is that we can look in the data and actually identify specific districts uh, where racial disparities are smaller than we would expect based on things like the level of racial, socioeconomic inequality in the district. Uh, and so I think we can learn from these places. Are there policies or cultures or school leader behaviors that are present in these districts that it might explain why inequality is lower in some places than others? Uh, and here I really do think that mixed methods and qualitative research has a lot to offer because the reality is we just don't really have good national data on these kinds of uh, more nuanced pieces of information. So, you know, we observe from the census and things like that, these sort of crude indicators of, of income and geography and demography and, and segregation. But we, we're missing out on all of this stuff about what people think and how they behave in schools. Um, and so we're able to actually find places that have relatively lower levels of racial inequality. And so we should try to kind of figure out what they're doing that makes them do better than other places. And my final question would be, do you think there are opportunities here for future research, um, either for you and your team or for others who are working in this area? So as I, as I was just kind of indicating, I, I really do think that uh, mixed methods approaches can be useful here. This is not a project that I have ongoing right now, but I would like to see somebody take a list of districts and identify these specific districts where they do have relatively less racial categorical inequality than we would expect. And then generate some hypotheses about what might differentiate these districts from others that, that otherwise look similar on paper in terms of their socioeconomic inequality and things like that, but have much worse uh, categorical inequality. So the schools have higher levels of racial inequality, despite that the out-of-school environments look relatively the same. So with this list of hypotheses, you could test to see whether those differences are actually present uh, in the data, either by conducting some interviews or, or fielding different surveys. Uh, and I'd be you know, cautious, of course, to infer causality from these differences, but that would at least allow us to generate some novel hypotheses uh, that I think we are really currently missing. Because the reality is that we, we currently in our data can only explain at most, half of the variation in racial categorical inequalities using this information from the census and so forth, which means that there are many covariates that we just don't have in our data. And so I think this qualitative work can, can really lend itself to a number of uh, variables that we could then 
you know, generate and, and incorporate in kind of a quantitative framework to, to actually introduce some in causal hypothesis. So I think kind of the short answer to the question is that uh, as far as policies go, we are still looking for effective, scalable interventions uh, that can be used to reduce black-white inequality in these domains. Uh, but I think the upside of this paper is that we can really concentrate our efforts on, on, on what schools are doing. And so to the extent that you can reduce teacher racial bias or introduce systems that are less tolerant of racial bias, so things that have, you know, uniform standards as opposed to future discretionary practices. To the extent that we can think of the policies that are going to be most effective at reducing uh, disproportionality, uh, we can then begin to systematically test which of these interventions is most, most effective. Well, this is just incredible work, Ken. Um, and I want to encourage all of our listeners to read the full article. Again, it's titled Categorical Inequality in Black and White linking disproportionality across multiple educational outcomes, and it was recently published in the American Educational Research Journal. Kenneth Shores, thanks so much for joining us again on Research Minutes. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was really great to talk about my work, and I hope uh, people find it useful. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes of this podcast, or to subscribe to the series, visit us at researchminutes.org. To share your thoughts on today's episode, or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at CPreHub. That's C-P-R-E-Hub.